The Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 27. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaking here. And he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want to preach this morning on peace. And I want to pre preach this morning on the inner peace of God. And I want to preach this morning on how you can keep that inner peace of God that only Jesus Christ can give you. Let's read that verse again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the Lord giveth, no, excuse me, not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So let's define what peace is, because we need to know, let's define it. I'm going to use a Webster's 1828 dictionary. Now, what makes a Webster's 1828 dictionary so special is one of the first dictionaries ever published by Daniel Webster, but it was, he used the Bible, he used a lot of Bible verses to define words. That was back in a time where our society knew the Bible, read their Bible, and, and when you mentioned the Bible, they knew exactly what you were talking about. Now, peace is defined as a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, freedom from war, freedom from internal commotion, freedom from private quarrels, freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like, quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, quiet of consciousness. See, a lot of the, you see how this, this definition is tied to freedom. Peace brings freedom. It brings you freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, heavenly rest, the happiness of heaven. He quotes uh, uh, Psalms 119, 165. Harmony, concord, a state of reconciliation between parties at variance, public tranquility, that quiet order and security which is guaranteed by the laws. In other words, you're keeping the peace. The, the, a policeman is keeping the peace is what we would say. That's a good definition of peace. And peace is defined that way. And Jesus Christ tells us there in verse 27, Peace, I leave with you my peace. It's a peace that's different than the world can give you. And let me go on a step further and say this, that there's a difference between the peace with God and the peace of God. Now this morning I'm going to be solely focusing and preaching on the, pre, the peace of God. Now there's a peace with God. Now that's the, with God is defined in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. And that's defined as, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what that means is if you're a born-again believer, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were an enemy with God, and when you receive Jesus Christ, you have peace with God from that moment on. Everything's all right between you and the Lord Jesus Christ, between you and the Lord God. That's peace with God. That means you have peace with God. In other words, everything's okay, you're going to heaven. Now, you might have, now, from that point on, he's your father, you're his son. You might have trouble with, in a relationship with him. In other words, with the fellowship where he's not happy with you and he's going to have to spank you or talk to you about something you're doing or deal with you in a certain way. But your peace with him as far as salvation is intact. You're going to heaven. This is uh, best defined as a guy that uh, I, heard, I read a story about a soldier. He was trying to get across enemy lines, and he was terrified that the enemy was going to shoot him and find him and capture him. He, he crossed enemy lines, and he, he, well, he didn't know he was crossing enemy lines, and he's walking through at nighttime, going through the forest, and he finally got back to home base, and he got back to home base, and the whole night he was terrified. He couldn't sleep, and he, couldn't, he was just terrified he was going to get captured. And we got to, back to home base. The, the people there said, you've been, you've been on uh, friendly lines. You've crossed enemy me lines way back about 40 miles you didn't have anything to worry about and that's what a lot of Christians deal with they don't realize they have peace with God 
they receive Jesus Christ, they're saved, and they think God's still mad at them. God, everything's okay. You're going to heaven. You're, you're saved. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ has saved you. You're under the grace of God. Now, that peace of God. Now, peace of God is something that Jesus Christ gives you, and it only comes through the Holy Spirit living in you that Christ has given you. Now, that's a peace of God. And that's what I want to preach on this morning is that peace of God. And he says there in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Now, the world, it only can give you false peace. And you see this in the world. People are all stirred up. They're always running, running, running. They're never happy. They're never content. They never have any kind of peace of heart or peace of mind. And that's the kind of peace the world gives you. And you know, the world's so fake about everything. And the world has all these ways of their, they, they do things. And they say things they don't even mean. And what I mean by that is, is uh, I, working at the city, I run to a lot of people in the morning. And a lot of times, I run to them, they'll say, good morning. How are you doing? Have a blessed day. And I can look them in the eye, and they don't mean a word they just said. You've seen people do that to you? Amen. Good morning. Or, or you'll, you'll say, how you doing? And you'll start talking to them, and they won't even be listening to you, and they'll just walk off. It's just the polite, that's the world. The world is polite in these customary ways of doing things. That's just, they do it because they think that's what they need to be doing. That's why I sometimes, and Joker might have heard me doing this, I've had people say it worked to me, they'll say, good morning, and I'll say, what's so good about it? That's my answer, yeah. I say, well, it's so good about it. Just to kind of get them stirred up. Or they'll say, how you doing? I'll say, awful. And I'll just keep on walking. And I know they think, that, pre that preacher's crazy. But I want them to think about, why are you asking me this? Or they'll say, this is my favorite thing. Have a blessed day. And these people are not even Christians. They're telling me, have a blessed day. And I, I'd be a lot more blessed if you'd give me a hundred bucks. Make them think. But that's, that's us. We just say stuff without thinking about it. Listen, when Jesus Christ says right here, I'm going to give you my peace and I'm going to give it to you, he means it. It's not like the world gives it to you. He's going to give it to you. He means he wants to give it to you. So what does that mean? That means that if Jesus Christ is the one that gives the peace, you better start asking him for it. You better start asking Jesus Christ for that peace. He's the one that's got it. He's the one that gives it. Well, that's the one you go to to get it from. And you need to ask for it. Say, Lord, and I've done that in my prayers. I, I'll be troubled about something. I say, Father, you've, you might not have promised me a life of not having pain or misery, whatever you might not, but you promised me a life of peace. Father, I don't have peace. Please give it to me. And the Lord, the Lord will answer that prayer nine times out of ten. He'll come in there and give me some peace. The world doesn't know anything about peace. And if the world, look, the world, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, the world, even if they could give you peace, they don't have the, even if they mean it, even if they mean, I want you to have peace, I want you to be in peace, even if the world meant it, they have no power to give it. Amen. The world has no power to give you peace. This is peace of mind. This is peace that's inner peace. The world, can't, the, the world gives you peace on the outside. That's the only kind of peace they can try to give you, and they're not even good at that. Yeah. I read this statistic here. I'm going to read it to you. There's only been 8% of the time since the beginning of war recorded history has the world ever been entirely at peace. In over 3,100 years, there's only been 286 years that have been warless. And out of 8,000 treaties, they've been broken to start a war. You know how the world works. They're always at war. People are always mad at each other. There's always conflict and war and agitation. How can the world promise you any kind of peace? 
The Bible says they say peace, peace, but there'll be no peace. Yeah, the world wants peace, but they don't know how to get it. There'll be no peace without Jesus Christ. There'll be no peace in your life without the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And there'll definitely be no peace in this world until Jesus Christ comes and rules as Lord of Lords and King of Kings and starts ruling this world in the millennial kingdom. Then you'll have your peace. Jesus Christ is called in Isaiah 9 and 6, Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince. That's the one you want to go to to get your peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The most, empower, most amazing thing about the power that the peace of peace Jesus Christ can give you is, is simply that the peace of God will settle your troubled heart and take away your fears. I thank the Lord for that. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. This peace I'm talking about, this inner peace, the peace of God, and no matter what storm you're going through, it can just, it'll calm you and settle your heart and take away your fears. And, and for a non-Christian, it's hard to explain that to them. It's real hard to explain how Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit can do that for you, but he does it. And so many Christians have testimonies of him giving them this peace, this peace of God. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. Look at, just skip a couple of pages, turn a couple of pages to John chapter 16, verse 33. Yeah, the world's always trying to give us peace and they don't know anything about peace. It's kind of laughable the world wants to, the world talks about peace. It's, it's real laughable actually. Ever since the United Nations have been formed to try to stop wars, they've had more wars than they've ever had before. Amen. It's just a joke. John chapter 16, verse 33. This is our Lord and Savior again speaking. Look what he tells his disciples here. These things I have I spoken to you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. <laughs> he tells it straight like it is. In me, peace. In the world, tribulation. See, there's both sides of the coin. You know, one side is the world, you're going to have tribulation. The side with Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, in me, in me, that in me ye might have peace. Amen. I want everybody underneath the sound of my voice to have the peace of God. Because I can't, I can't begin to tell you the, the, the feelings, the joy, the, the contentment the things you have in Jesus Christ that the world can't give you. See, the world thinks that when you receive Jesus Christ, you're having to do away with all, you lose everything. Well, then I can't start, I got to stop doing this, and I got to stop doing that, and I got to, I got to live a certain way, and I got to, and that, that's how the world thinks about it. And they don't understand that they're missing out on the peace of God. Amen. That only Jesus Christ can give you. That the world can't give you. And it says here, these things I have I spoken to you that in me, that's only in Jesus Christ, you might have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. You shall have tribulation. That goes right back to what we were just uh, talking about. The world is about war. The world is about war, but Jesus Christ is about peace. You ever notice that? The world's all about conflict, argument, fighting, 
just any way they can do to destroy somebody. And Jesus Christ, when he walked on this earth, he was about peace, peace, peace. And because of the way he lived and the peace he wanted to bring, he said, you think I came to bring peace? I, brought, I, I came to bring a sword. Mother against father, father against mother, child against father, child against mother. What does that mean? That means if you're going to live with Jesus Christ and live Jesus Christ's life the way he wants you to live, it's against everything the world wants to do, and they're going to hate you. And they're going to be out to gift you. So I'm telling you, you'll have the peace of God in your heart, but that don't mean that the world around you is going to be peaceful. Jesus never promised that. He just said it right there. In me, you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation. You shall have it. It's going to be. In this world we live in, it's tribulation all around us. You know, I was reading in Revelation. You know, we're studying the book of Revelation. I was reading in Revelation 17 because Jesus Christ said, Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I read in Revelation 17, 14, verse 14, that the Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen. They're all about war. They want to destroy Jesus Christ, but he's a prince of peace. And he's going to bring in peace. That's after he gets through whipping them all. All right, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I want to show you some things. I want to quickly show you some things this morning. Because I've shown you now, what we've learned so far is that true peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's what we've learned so far. True peace. Brothers and sisters, true peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're a Christian or who you are. If you want true peace, you need to come to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We found that out. And we found out that that inner peace that God can give you, that inner peace of God that God can give you, the inner peace of God that will settle your troubled heart and take away your fears. That's the promise. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to talk about, in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to talk about how to keep that inner peace. Because I think a lot of us in here, if you're a Christian, a lot of us in here at one time or another in our Christian life have had that inner peace. And then there's been times when we hadn't had that inner peace. And we, there's things happening in our life. There's troubles. We're mad at God. I don't know what might be happening in your heart. But you lose that inner peace. But you can have that inner peace given back to you. You can, you can get that inner peace. And I want to show you this morning, starting in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, how we can work to keep that inner peace. Because it is a work to do it. Now, salvation's not a work. Salvation is a free gift. But if you want to, you, when God, Jesus Christ wants to give you this inner peace, you got to do some things to make sure he can give it to you. Because you can do some things that's going to take away that inner peace. You're a part of this. You are a part of this. Look at verse, look at verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's read this together. 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. There's a recipe going on there. And it starts back up verse 6. So the first thing you can do, to this is the first thing you can do to keep that inner peace of God is, it says there, Paul says there in verse 6, Be careful for nothing. Don't be so full of care for things. That careful, be careful, that's full of care. That means don't be so worried about every little thing. When you get to worrying about every little thing, that's going to take away the inner peace of God. 
When you're worried about every little thing, you're worried about it when God's not. That's God's worries. That's God's problems. They're not your problems. <laughs> Amen. You, I, I, you, you, you get to worried about every little thing, trying to fix every little problem in life, fix every little thing. Stop worrying about it. Stop trying to fix it. Let it go. <laughs> Just let it go and let God handle it. That's God's problems. Amen. Those are things for God to handle. Say, I'm not dealing with it anymore. I want to have that inner peace of God. I'm not going to be worrying about it. Look, turn it over to God and trust Him. Turn it over to God and trust Him with it. You know what Isaiah 26, 3 says? And I want y'all to, if you don't know this verse, you need to memorize it. You need to underline it. You need to write it down. It's called, it's Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You want to have a perfect peace of mind, you need to trust in the Lord. You need to put your trust in the Lord. It's just that simple. Be careful for nothing. Stop worrying about every little thing. Turn it over to God and trust Him with it. Now the next, the next part of this recipe is found there in, the next, in, the, in the verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but notice, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Amen. Take everything to God in prayer with a thankful heart. Amen. That's how you're going to keep that inner peace of God. Take everything to God in prayer with a thankful heart. It's hard to do, isn't it? Yeah. You've got to really train yourself to be a prayer warrior like that. Yeah. Now, my sweet wife, she's trained herself like that. My wife prays about she takes that, word, that verse very literal. She prays about everything. It don't matter. You know, I go in there, where's my keys? Well, I'm praying about where your keys are at. And while she's praying where my keys are at, I'm looking for my keys, you know. And then she finds them. Well, I prayed to find them. That makes me feel about this tall. <laughs> that, you know, I don't think to God first. I try to take care of my own problems, you know. Worrying about every little thing. Well, well my, my, I'm just praying about it. My wife, my wife, and my, and I've been around my wife as, as a Christian, and I've seen her get some powerful prayers answered. And uh, I'll tell you something else about my wife. She's powerful in her prayers, and she can get after those prayers. Man, I told you all about that festival they had in Brownwood. They were all going to be down there drinking and getting drunk and everything, and this big storm rolls in and starts just raining, and they're all running for their lives, and cars peeling out down my road. You know, it just happened right down the road from where we live. And all that. And after it's all said and done, my sweet wife comes in and she goes, I prayed it would rain out so they couldn't get drunk down there. <laughs> so I was like, woo. So if you were trying to get down there and get drunk, you can blame my wife. Well, that's, right. that's a scary way to live life, you know. Yeah, amen, it is, Brother Ronnie. I'm going to come up here to church one day just blind. My wife's going to say, yeah, I prayed that if he looked at another woman, he'd go blind. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's scary y'all pray for me about that stuff you know that's a scary life y'all try to pray to negate her prayers like let's try to let's try to balance them out you know that's a that's a scary that's a scary thought to live with somebody that that's that powerful in prayer but that's what the bible says to be like pray about everything Take everything. Look, be careful for nothing. You know, you're caring about every little thing. Hey, take it, but in everything, that's everything, by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, you need to have a thankful heart. And so many people don't have a very thankful heart. Thanksgiving isn't just one day a year for a Christian. It's every day a year. It's not just one Thursday that happens one day a year. Thanksgiving is a daily thing for a Christian. It should be an hourly thing. When I was up sick uh, uh, Tuesday night, and I got up Wednesday sicker than a dog, and had to go to the doctor, and, and I, I, I cherish every one of y'all's prayers for me, and we had to call off Wednesday night services, uh, I was very, very thankful that y'all were praying for me. You know what happens when you get well after being sick like that? For just a little bit of sickness, you get well, you get thankful for everything. Amen. You get thankful that you can get up in the morning. You get thankful that your side's not hurt. And you get thankful. You're just like, Lord, thank you. I take so much for granted. You know what? You know, people ask me all the time as a pastor, like, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? It's very simple. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. I'll read it to you. You want to know what God's will for you is? I'll read it to you. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Here it is. This is God's will for you in life. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. <laughs> yeah, you don't like that, do you? Because you want to be like me, and I'm like you. I, I complain, I grumble, I, I, I don't like things, I don't want things to be a certain way, and I complain, and the Lord says, I want you to be thankful. I'm working in your life. I want you to be thankful. And it's hard to be thankful. Look at verse 7 of, of Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace, the peace of God, which, pass, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something about verse 7. The peace of God is something that's hard to understand. It's hard to explain to people. Because he says there that the peace of God which passeth all understanding. Sister Colleen's here. A lot of y'all know what she's going through. It's incredibly hard to explain her attitude, her spirit, her, her love of God, her love of Jesus Christ, her attitude. You cannot explain that to somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't explain it. It passes all understanding. It passes all understanding. But I'm not here to try to explain it to anybody. I'm just here to tell you it works. Okay, I can't tell you any kind of scientific way or any kind of spiritual way or how God's working. I know he's doing it through the Holy Spirit, but I'm here to tell you, if you're going to sit here and try to fret about it, how it works, you're, you're wasting your time. Just get in Jesus Christ. To, let's do some of the things that God's telling us to do here, and let's let God's peace work in our lives. Amen. There's something, man, you can't, you can't buy this peace that Jesus Christ wants to give you. You can't buy it. And it's so precious. And you know what happens? It's happened in my Christian life. I, I, I have a peace with God about my salvation that I've never doubted my salvation. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm not saying I lived a good life, but I've always had this, this, this complete peace about where I'm going when I die. And there's only been a couple of times I'd be reading my Bible and it'll be a couple of times, just out of the blue, the devil will show up. And he'll show up in that room. And I'll be reading my Bible, and I'll have the peace, I'll have the joy, and the devil will show up. And, I, and almost, it's almost audible. It's so scary. It's almost audible. I've had that, this has only happened a couple of times. I had the, the devil just, and it's almost audible, come up and show up in my room and just very quietly whisper and say, what if it's not true? And, there, and, then, and for my heart, my heart, I'll, I'll skip a couple of beats. 
And then Jesus Christ will come in there and I'll, oh, it's true. Oh, it's true. And the peace just returns to me. The devil's good at that. The devil's very, very good at that. The devil's all about doubt. And Jesus Christ, it says, it's all about faith. When the devil says to doubt, you've got to get more faith. <laughs> and the more he tells you to doubt, the more faith you've got to get. But Jesus Christ will give you this inner peace and it passeth all understanding and it will keep your heart and mind. And I'm telling you, that's a wonderful promise we got as Christians. We should never take advantage of it. Let's close in Colossians chapter 3, which is just a couple of pages to the right. Two or three pages to the right. Turn there and you'll find Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And I'm going to show you a couple more things that's maybe taken away the inner peace of God. Because you might be a Christian this morning. You might be sitting out there. You might be saying, well, Brother Keegan, I don't think I have this peace that you're talking about. And I want you to have it. And I want you to keep it. And there's some things you're doing maybe that's hindering the Lord working in your life. And I'm going to show you some things now in Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 that maybe is taking away that inner peace of God. Let's read these verses together. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body. And look at this, guys, and be ye thankful. That's three times thankful showed up. See, it's tied to thankfulness. That peace of God is just tied to being thankful. God wants you to be thankful. God wants you to be grateful. You know, he doesn't want you to be like the rest of the world. But the one thing I realize about the rest of the world, they're very ungrateful. Americans are very ungrateful for the country we live in. They're ungrateful for the liberty we have. They're ungrateful for the freedom we have. They're ungrateful for the Christian nation we have that gives you such glorious blessings and the showers of blessings. God. And they're ungrateful for all of that. And God wants you to be grateful for things. He wants you to be thankful for things. Now, let's go back up to verse 12. Let's go back up to verse 12. Anything on the, that's opposite of this list is what's hindering the peace of God working in your life. Anything on this list, and I'm going to read it to you, and anything that's the opposite of this list. So go back up to verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now, here's the first one. Bowels of mercy. Now, bowels is, uh, is a bowl. It's, like a, it's another way of saying bowl. It's a bowl of mercy. So what's the opposite of mercy? It's cruelty. If you're cruel in any way, that's hindering the inner peace of God being in your life. Anything, any way you're cruel. That could be, y'all know what that means. And if there's anybody that's cruel, I can be cruel about things. Maybe I, I'm more cruel with my mouth than I am anyway physically. I'm cruel with the things I say and the cruel with the way I say things. Cruelty. Look at the next one. Kindness. The opposite of that is meanness. Well, this is plain English. If you're not kind, you're mean. There's some meanness about you. Humbleness of mind. What's the opposite of humbleness of mind? Being prideful. Being prideful. 
Let me, let, me, let me stop right there and let me remind you what the Bible says in Isaiah 48, 22. God says, There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. If you're living a wicked life, you're not going to have any peace. Now, you still have the peace with God. You're still saved. But the peace of God that I'm preaching on this morning, that peace, that inner peace of God that passeth all understanding, if you're living a wicked life, you're not going to have that. And these are things that you're doing maybe, and I'm trying to show you that maybe these are some of the things you're doing in your life that's keeping that peace of God working in your life. Humbleness of mind, the opposite of that is being prideful. Look at the next one in verse 12. Meekness. What's the opposite of meekness? Arrogancy. Being arrogant. See, a meek, a meek person says, everybody in front of me. A meek person said, everybody first. An arrogant person says, me first. You're seeing that on TV, aren't you, in America? Amen. It's all about me. What about me? What about me? How about me? What about mine? Where's mine? Where's mine? That's arrogancy. Long-suffering. What's the opposite of long-suffering? Well, short-suffering. We call it being short-tempered. We call it being an Irishman. <laughs> I got a couple of laughs. I, hey, I'm half Irish. This is very, the, the temptation to be short-tempered is just an everyday thing for me. It's a sin I have to watch myself for. That's keeping, that's hindering the inner peace of God working in my life. Being short-tempered. Verse 13, forbearing. Forbearing is putting up with people. To be forbearing is I'm bearing other people's loads. I'm bearing other people's troubles. So what's the opposite of forbearing? It's called intolerance. It's called not putting up with other people's problems. <laughs> oh, wow. It's getting quiet in here, man. I didn't know this was going to hit so close to home for some of you guys. Hey, I'm right there with you. You don't want to put up with people's foolishness. Amen. Right, you know, you know, I'm the same way. You know, this is foolish. I'm not putting up with this foolishness. I mean, I deal with this on a constant basis at work. That this guy's foolish. I'm not putting up with him. I'm not putting up with his troubles. I'm not putting up with his problems. I got my own problems. I'm not going to put up with his. We don't want to deal with them. But how much does Jesus Christ put up with you? That's the point. When you think about it, say, oh, Jesus, please forgive me. Please let this, I, I, Lord, just put up with this problem I'm dealing with. You want the Lord to be so kind and generous and meek and long-suffering with you, but with everybody else, you want to just be short-tempered and I don't want to put with. That's the problem. Why we don't, Some of us don't have that inner peace. Forbearing one another, look it, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Amen, 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 man. If Jesus has to forgive you so much, can't you learn to forgive others of some things? Amen, amen. amen. That's, that's the point, unforgiveness. If there's one that's on top of this list, for most of y'all, it's going to be that one right there. And I don't, I know, I don't know every one of y'all personally, but I'm telling you, and I don't, I'm not saying I know what's going on in your lives, but the majority of Christians I've run into, unforgiveness is a major problem in Christianity. Unforgiveness, they won't learn to forgive. That's one of the main things Jesus taught. We're supposed to forgive our enemies. <laughs> Man, that, that one hits home. That hits way, way too home. You know, I was reading this story, and it was, the, it was back in 1848. 
there was this warship called the Princeton. They put the President of the United States, they had some congressmen, they had some senators on there, and they're on the ship, and they were showing off the ship on the, on the, on the river there, and they shot off the cannon, and they, it was called the Peacemaker. And they shot this cannon off, and they were putting on a big show. Well, there's a guy named Benton on there. He was a senator. His name was Benton, and he got on there, and he was there, and the first the cannon went off, boom. And he said, man, it was amazing. So they all kind of scooted up. They wanted to see this cannon go off again, the peacemaker. Well, they were going to fire that gun off again. And right when they were about to fire it off, his friend, Benton's friend, tapped him on the shoulder. So he turned around. And when he turned around, the, Senate, the, uh, the secretary, I think secretary of Navy, the secretary of Navy, he scooted in there where Benton was and got a, be, you know, got a better view of the gun about to go off. And Benton turned around and he got mad. And right at that time, they fired that gun off a second time. It exploded and it killed everybody around it including that guy standing right there where Benton had just been. It changed Benton's life because he knows if that friend of mine hadn't tapped me on the shoulder, I would have died. It changed his life. Now, read, I'm going to read to you what he had to say because at that time, him and Daniel Webster, who was the one I just read about, 1828 Webster's Dictionary, him and Webster were going at it bitterly. Benton was having a big time. He couldn't forgive Webster. They were mad at each other. Benton was mad. And listen what, this is what Benton went on to say. After he got off the ship, this is what Benton wrote. Benton wrote this to Webster. He said, it seemed to me, Mr. Webster, as if that touch on my shoulder was the hand of the Almighty stretched down there, drawing me away from that otherwise would have been instantaneous death. That one, that one circumstance has changed the whole current of my thought and life. I feel that I am a different man. And I want, in the first place, to be at peace with all those with whom I have been so sharply at variance. Amen. It changed his life. And he said, you know what? I've been bitter. I've been not forgiving. I've been doing things. I've been getting angry. I've been fighting with people. I'm not living life like that anymore. He said, I want to have that peace. See, that's what I'm preaching on this morning. That peace of the Almighty, the Lord God, that Jesus Christ can give you, that inner peace, there's things you can do in your life that's going to hinder you and hinder Jesus Christ from giving it to you. And, you, and above all these things, verse 14, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Charity. What is charity? Charity is a giving love. And what's the opposite of a giving love? That's lust and coveting. Lust and coveting. If you're lustful and coveting and you, you want things and you're not willing to give things away and you're very covetous and you don't want to, those are the kind of things that's going to hinder from the inner peace of God working in your life. And closing and closing, I'm going to close here in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now let's stop there. If you can let it rule in your hearts, that means you can hinder it. That means, that's what he's trying to, Paul's trying to say to you. You need to let that peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Some of you are not letting it because you're doing things that are, is not letting it. That's what I'm trying to preach on this morning. If you're in here and you don't have that inner peace of God, you need to work for it. And the reason why I'm telling you you need to work for it and you need to look at this list and you need to say, say, there's some things in my life I can change. Why am I preaching this? Why am I putting such an importance on this? Because that inner peace of God is something that you cannot buy that is so amazing. It's so contentful. It's so wonderful. It gives you such a joy. It gives you such a happiness that I want you to experience it like I've experienced it. 
And if, you, if you're in here and you have experienced it like I've experienced it, don't you want that again? Amen. Are you miserable? Are you tired? Are you, are you kind of wore down? Are you saying, man, life's just not worth living? Well, you need the inner peace of God. You're saying, well, brother, brother Keegan, I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. I've received Jesus Christ, but I just don't have that. I just, I'm, un, I'm unsettled. I'm, I'm troubled. I'm, that's because the inner peace of God is not working in your life, and you're doing something to hinder it. And I can't do that. For, I can't give it to you. But I know a man who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and he wants to give it to you. Verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And in closing, be ye thankful. You can't be thankful enough for the breath of life we have, for the family we have, for the church we have, for the country we live in. Every one of y'all in here drove up here in a vehicle. Nobody had to walk. God's blessed us in a million ways. We can be thankful for a million things. And I'm thankful that the Lord's willing to give us Peace in our hearts. I'm thankful for that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us, taking care of us, Father. And Lord, I thank you for this peace you've given me in my heart, Father. I thank you for the peace I have with you. And I thank you for the peace that you give me, the peace of God. And Father, I know I've done some things that are not right. Lord God, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and wash me with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Father. And give me back that peace, Lord Jesus. I want that peace, Father. I want to... I want to wake up and be at peace. I want to go to bed at night and be at peace, Father. I want to, no matter what's happening, whatever storms in life, Lord God, I want to be like you, Lord. I want the storms to be raging, and I want to be at the bottom of the ship just sleeping away, Lord. That's you. That's the peace I want, Father. You've told me, Lord Jesus, that only you can give it to me, Father, and I pray that you'll give it to me and give it to anybody in the sound of my voice that's looking for it, Father, that's, that's craving it. And, Father, I just pray that you'll show them in their heart, Lord, that some things they could change that it can make it work more in their heart, Father. And I pray that you would speak to their heart, Lord. And if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, Father, they don't know if they've ever received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I just pray that as we give this invitation, they'll come on down the aisle and they'll get saved. And they'll know from this moment on that they have peace with you and that you're willing to give them the peace that only Jesus Christ can give them. And I'm praying all this in the name of our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Never made a fortune And it's probably too late now Oh, but I don't worry about that much I'm happy As I go along life's journey, I'm reaping better than I sow. I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord, cause my cup is overflowing. got a lot of riches and sometimes the goings are rough but I've got a friend in Jesus and that makes me rich enough 
I thank God for all His blessings on me And the mercy He's bestowed I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowed So Lord, help me not to grumble and complain About the tough roads that I've hoed I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowed And if I should go on living If the way gets steep and rough I won't ask for other blessings I'm already blessed enough May I never be too busy Help another bear his load I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowed Yes, I'm drinking from my saucer, Lord Cause my cup is overflowing Shadows fall Midnight, I have 
guide my way for the light of God's word shining in my heart turns the darkness into day there's a brighter day coming soon our heartaches will be gone sorrow won't be a memory in the light of heaven's dawn Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ, because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.